I was doing some reading the other day, reading some ancient history, which I like to do from time to time. And I ran across a quote that I had forgotten, but I had learned in college. And it was simply this, memento mori, memento mori. Um, Roman historians Pliny, Dio, and Tertullian all record that as the Roman triumphant general was coming down the street in Rome celebrating a victory, there was a slave in the chariot with him, and he would hold the crown or the laurel crown above the general's head, but whisper in his ear, memento mori. Memento mori. Do I have any Latin scholars in here? What's it mean? Remember death, quite literally, or more stylized, remember you're mortal. Remember you're mortal. Remember death. The whole idea was to remind the general that he too was a man, and though he would be go through all of this, these accolades and praises of men that he too would one day fall to the same death that all men fall to. On Ash Wednesday, most of us don't come to the service in any perceived notion of triumph, right? That's, that's not generally where we are. I think we generally come to Ash Wednesday services more in a dull gaze, in a tiredness either at 7 o'clock in the morning or some of, the, some of uh, us gathered together, or here after a long day at work where we gather. And it seems that our attention is constantly demanded by things in life. Some of those things are really important. Work, school, children, relationships. Some are trivial things such as cell phones, the, the binging of the notifications from emails, all sorts of social media invading our lives. All of it vies for our time and it can take over. We may ask, Who's driving whom here? Or what's driving what in my life? The big problems that I see in my own life is when I let my life drive me. When I don't ask God what his priorities would be, let alone look at how I am measuring up. We forget that and we just kind of roll along. We forget too easily that you and I are human beings and our days are numbered. Today, we're invited by the church to stop and take stock of our lives. As in today's gospel, Jesus reminds us in Matthew's gospel, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's Jesus saying here? Well, Ash Wednesday bids us to stop and reflect and repent of a certain category of things. In this passage, namely, everything that falls under the umbrella under the category 
of the priorities of this world. Jesus says this because things were no different in his day. It's true that you didn't have, you know, your cell phone pinging away in your pocket. But instead, you had to go out and feed the donkeys or respond to something that was going on in the courtyard because some, you know, merchant had gotten into a fight with a Roman soldier or something, right? There were always distractions. It's no different in Jesus's world. People did things in Jesus's world to impress other people, too, just like we do. People looked for praise. And in a culture that could care less for them, they looked for validation. They cared more about what others thought about them than about what God thinks about them. Does that sound familiar? We're all guilty of it and more. Look with me, if you would, at the litany of penitents that we're about to pray. So many things in our prayer book direct our attention if we pay attention. Look at the petitions there beginning on page 6. We see sins of pride, sins of malice, sins of lust, gluttony, indulgence, dishonesty, using other people, hurting other people, ignoring our hum- our fellow human beings, abjuring our duty as stewards of God's creation, ingratitude to God and to others, even our faith itself is impugned. Notice in the last one, for our failure to commend the faith that is in us. We can't even live up to that which we're called to do and be as Christians. We see, in short, a complete and utter failing, falling short of God to live even as human beings in the image of God, let alone of, as bearers of Christ. It's with good reason that the prophet Joel calls for a fast in Joel chapter 2. For in Joel chapter 2, we see outlined in the Old Testament of God's people the very same human nature that's found in the New Testament and the very same human nature that's found today, chiefly in us. We pray together in a moment, Psalm 51, asking for mercy. We pray the litany of penitence as an extended form of confession. And then we have this act, this very strange act when you think about it, of putting burnt ashes on our foreheads in the shape of a cross. Why do we do that? Well, it's to remind us, not that we're holier than other people. It's not to remind us that somehow we are better than anybody else. But it's to remind us that, to use the vernacular today, we suck. We, we don't measure up. We stink. We can't do it. That's a bizarre thing. You know, it's a bizarre thing anyway to put ashes on your head. But it's an even more bizarre thing to put something on your head that says, loser. (laughs) Right? We could just as easily walk around with gravestones on our head saying, I deserve death. I deserve death. So don't think as I did as a kid that somehow wearing ashes on your forehead 
doesn't match what Jesus is saying in the gospel today here. <laughs> this is not something to brag about. <laughs> this is not something uh, to uh, somehow um, put on ourselves as a way of showing the world holiness. That's not it at all. But rather, we put those ashes on our head because as Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned, including you and me, and we just are admitting the reality of it. But thank God, that's not the end of the story, right? That's the beginning of Lent, but not the end of Lent with Easter. And Thomas Cramner, as he wrote this collect, which is used even in Lutheran churches today because it's, it's acclaimed as one of the most beautiful collects, you said it, we said it together. He wrote this, he said, Almighty God, you hate nothing that you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. You hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. And then the petition, create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we... And here's the reality check, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So do you see, the ash, ashes we put on our head is not just a mark of our failure. It's a mark of Christ's success. It's a mark of Jesus' victory which is why it's made in the symbol of a cross. A priest friend once told me that Ash Wednesday is the one day when the cross made in holy chrism on your forehead when you're baptized becomes visible to the world. I thought that's kind of a neat image. It's the one day where that cross that's made on your head at your baptism becomes visible to the world. Again, not because we have anything to boast in, but because of what Christ has done. We've earned death. The words that we say when we put the crosses on our heads come from Genesis 3.17, where God's talking to Adam. He says, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Thank God that's not the end of the story. For God hates nothing that is made, especially us. And he sent Jesus, his son, himself, to remedy the problem. A costly remedy. And Romans 6.23 goes on, For the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't stop there. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as Christians, there should be no confusion where we stand. As followers of Jesus, we stand condemned without Jesus. We stand condemned even if Jesus came for us, if we remain unrepentant, if we don't avail ourselves of his grace. But with Jesus, we have everything. We gain the kingdom of heaven. We gain a whole new ability to be his vessels, to bear his name, to somehow broadcast his goodness in the world just as his vessels. But even as repentant followers of Jesus Christ, we often, so often, turn our back 
on heaven. We turn our back on the heavenly kingdom. We value the things of this earth. Instead, we try to amass those treasures. We fall into the trap of thinking that things like prestige and power are important. We slip back. Take a few moments and stop today and ask yourself, what am I doing? Why? Am I playing the long game with the eternal question in mind? Or am I just playing the short game, stuck in the rat race, stuck on the the hamster wheel of life, doing dumb things over and over again, maybe not even sinful things, but pointless things? What am I doing? Am I investing in treasures that are eternal? Or am I investing in things that will rust, turn to ash? Repent. You need to. I need to. The good news is that Jesus has redeemed it all if we follow him. So let us... Once again, this Lent, journey to the cross together, acknowledging the reality of who we are without Christ, throwing ourselves at God's feet, asking for his mercy, first receiving this sign of death, wrath, righteous judgment, and remembering that it, in our humiliation, is the doorway to heaven and our glory. Then, receive and be fed with the bread and wine of Jesus Christ himself. Ask him, Lord, make my priorities your priorities. Or rather, your priorities my priorities. And as we constantly will fail, cry out, Lord, have mercy on me and deliver me. In the end, Jesus' followers, for Jesus' followers, the thing that's read over our grave is not he passed away or he's died or he's dead like all other men, but rather we commend his body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but not ending there. In sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.